It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Last week's leak of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade signals huge shifts in abortion law across the U.S. And while states have long been pushing the boundaries of this precedent, the end of Roe would almost certainly ramp up the criminalization of abortions. So, for those who will be seeking abortions in the future, more precautions will need to be taken. Never bring your phone to a clinic. If you need a phone, get a burner device. That's Lil Kalish. They wrote a story earlier this year for Mother Jones about all the ways personal data and digital forensics have been and will be used to punish those who seek out abortions, as well as the doctors who provide them. If you're going to search about how to get an abortion or to self-manage an abortion at home, try not to do it on a personal device or on your own Wi-Fi network. And if you're looking to purchase medication online, don't use your credit card. You can always go out and get a prepaid debit card to make that purchase to make sure that your credit card information and all of your purchase history is safe. Don't give your phone over to the police and use encrypted messaging platforms like Signal. And frankly, be careful about who you speak to about this and work with people that you feel like you can trust. How real is the threat of law enforcement using digital forensics to prosecute people who've had abortions? Has this actually happened before? Yes, it has. And I'd say it's it's pretty real, especially for lower income folks and people of color who might come into contact with law enforcement or the criminal justice system due to systemic racism and the policing of poverty. One example that comes to mind is the case of Latisse Fisher. She was a black woman who was pregnant in Mississippi in 2017, and she had a stillbirth at home and went to the hospital to deal with complications. And in an earlier exam, she disclosed to nurses that she was pregnant and she never came back for an ultrasound. And she also mentioned that she didn't want to be pregnant anymore and was looking for ways to terminate her pregnancy. And that kind of put her under suspicion um, by the nurses who handed over her medical records to the police. So she was already under suspicion. And by the time she got to the hospital, police asked her to hand over her phone, which she did. And investigators were able to download her search history, which Hmm. showed that she was researching terms like bi-abortion pills or mifepristone and misoprostol online, which are the two pills needed for a medication abortion. And they were able to see that she did purchase that. And because of that, she she was charged with second degree murder. And basically this digital evidence is useful for prosecutors to help kind of fill the gaps in terms of securing a conviction for people that have had abortions. That digital step comes after the fact, after people are already under suspicion. You mentioned search history in this specific case, but what are some of the other ways that law enforcement can track people seeking abortions? They can use all sorts of tools. For example, a a geofence warrant, um, which could help identify the device history of everyone in a certain location. So for example, if you're going to a clinic or you're walking by a clinic, prosecutors can get information about everybody, the identities of the folks that go in and out of the clinic. There's a report from Upturn that showed that 44 law enforcement agencies extracted data from 50,000 phones between 2015 and 2019. And they use these really powerful forensic tools to basically get like a full copy of what's on your phone. So everything from like emails, texts, location data, app data, Etc. And a lot of the advocates that I've spoke to have said that the use of this is on the rise. Outside of law enforcement, are there other people that are tracking activities of people seeking to or, or that have had abortions? 
Definitely. And I, I want to emphasize that it's, it's not just law enforcement. Like there's this huge ecosystem of surveillance that I could probably spend all day explaining, but um, I can kind of break it down into three things institutions or places that work alongside law enforcement. So hospitals, so medical facilities, like it's the nurses in like the case of Latisse Fisher, who, you know, maybe treat patients with suspicion and hand over their information to police. It could also be schools that are tracking student emails or their web history without their knowledge if students are looking up abortion information on a school device. Lawyers can get courts to hand over pregnant people's medical records and things like their period trackers and other health apps. And then secondly, it's also data brokers. I mean, Vice recently had this piece that showed how incredibly easy it is to purchase location data about people who visit abortion clinics and, and the kinds of people that are making a lot of money off of that. Anyone really with a couple hundred bucks to spare can get that information and easily piece together who they might think is getting an abortion. And then lastly, of course, it's the people in the anti-abortion movement. They do a number of things to kind of track the activities of folks. They send targeted ads to people sitting in clinics to try to change their mind. They also buy up a ton of online space. So, you know, depending on where you are, if you Google like abortion clinic near me, you might find something that looks like an abortion clinic, but it's actually a crisis pregnancy center, which is they're often like these Christian anti-choice centers that target low-income women and women of color and spread false information about abortion. like that you can get an abortion reversal pill. And they also try to dissuade people from getting the procedure. And then there's also these like very low tech forms of surveillance, like anti-choice protesters who photograph license plates or take pictures of people that come and go from clinics. They're able to piece together, you know, a lot of information using kind of low tech tools. There's these scary websites that I've seen, anti-choice websites that list all the names of the doctors that perform abortions and information that's available on public records, like their home address or their phone number. And that has in the past led to violence against providers. And is it correct to say that in some states, private citizens, namely healthcare workers, are actually required to report this stuff? Yeah, I mean, if they're worried that someone has maybe harmed their child, they are kind of required to report that. But often it's like people that are just suspicious of and, and maybe have their own opinions about people's ability to choose uh, whether to terminate their pregnancy. And especially if people are doing self-managed abortion, I feel like they're more likely to be criminalized. For example, my understanding is that the, the current law in Texas essentially deputizes citizens to prosecute people who get abortions and, and even like those who provide transportation to the hospital. Yeah, which is really scary for anybody trying to get an abortion. Basically, they really have to think through every single step and make sure that they're only with trusted individuals whose identities are not going to be known. So taking an Uber would be great, but also that information about their rideshare, the, the location of the car could be used against them or it could be used against the driver as well. Well, the piece you wrote for Mother Jones about this was published in February following the passage of that Texas abortion law. Obviously, now there's even more awareness of this due to the imminent threat of Roe being overturned. What else has changed since February? That's the biggest thing is that there's this greater awareness on how surveillance could be used not only to prosecute people, but to secure convictions against folks seeking abortion. But I also think that there's just a greater awareness of how much our digital spaces shape our experiences and um, at the end of March, a telehealth company called Hey Jane, which provides abortion pills, they told me that 
their ads were mysteriously taken down from Google for about 10 days, and they're still trying to figure out why. I mean, they, they have a certificate as an abortion provider online, but something was tripped up and their, their ads were taken down, which meant that for 10 days, people who maybe needed telehealth, uh, which will increasingly be the route for a lot of people in the country seeking abortion, their ads were gone. They're still trying to figure out why. I'm also still trying to figure out why. But if that is any indication of what is to come, it's concerning that even the telehealth route might be difficult for folks to access. And what about new legislation? Are there any laws being considered in states across the country that could embolden this kind of surveillance even more? Sure. I mean, I think laws that ban telehealth specifically will definitely embolden surveillance of you know online searches particularly the 13 states that have trigger laws, which would basically ban abortion effective immediately if the courts strike down Roe v. Wade. I think those states in particular, people in those states would be even more more vulnerable, like in Idaho, which would make providing an abortion punishable up to five years in prison, or in Kentucky, which would make abortions a felony. I think those states in particular would really see surveillance being used at probably a new level. Well, I think it's important to point out here that it's not every state that people are really anxious about doing this. There are some states that are actually combating it. Which ones are those? California, where where I am right now, has tried to position itself as a sanctuary state and to make sure that they can accommodate the influx of people that are likely to come from neighboring states, um, Arizona, Nevada, etc. But in terms of combating the actual surveillance, I'm still a little unclear about what uh, folks are doing. I mean, uh, Senator Ron Wyden, he's he's very cognizant that overturning Roe would weaponize data in Republican states. But I think that there are a lot more steps to be taken in terms of having better privacy laws. Policies around tech tend to take a lot of time and there's not a ton of understanding about the extent to which this ecosystem exists because it's not just about your phone or your computer. It's about data brokers. It's also about, you know, how this data is used in courts because it's often used after someone has already been treated with suspicion. It's hard to stop people from ratting people out, essentially. Talking to folks who are providers or folks in the movement is is more likely to help in the immediate. Outside of abortions, are there other implications to the upcoming Roe decision and the use of surveillance in policing the personal lives of people? That's a great question, and I hesitate to say anything uh, definitively because I'm not a lawyer or an expert on privacy, but the erosion of privacy is really concerning um, and I think kind of underscores how precarious it is to be a marginalized person in this country. It makes me wonder, for example, about the data of people who are going to places like Planned Parenthood for non-abortion-related reasons. And in a way, like this kind of surveillance and policing of folks' information happens all the time. I mean... The use of prescription drug monitoring programs, or PDMPs, which are databases that healthcare individuals and law enforcement use to track prescription history. And I've read some reporting from journalist Adrian Corsion, who looked at the criminalization of testosterone specifically for trans folks. And so I I wonder about how uh, this decision might impact trans folks who might be traveling with hormones and if they are stopped by the police and have testosterone, which is classified as a Schedule Three drug. And in Adrian Corsian's reporting, they suggested that the use of these monitoring programs could be used to out trans people before they even give that information to their providers. In any case, and I think that this applies to, to all things 
to do with data privacy. It sounds like a lot of this is putting the onus for maintaining privacy on the person seeking an abortion. What are some outreach groups or, or resources that people who want to protect themselves can use? I'd really strongly recommend getting in touch with the Digital Defense Fund. They're an organization that specifically helps abortion providers and practical support networks and also individuals um, with beefing up their cybersecurity knowledge. And the Electronic Frontier Foundation also has a really useful resource on best practices, as does uh, Gizmodo journalist Shoshana Wodinski. Um, she has a great thread on how to keep yourself safe. Lil, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Today's episode was produced and engineered by John Ahrens. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening.